0: listening to the Paul McGuire report, We're on the cutting edge of breakthrough for you in terms of understanding the news, current events, science, technology, the integration of Bible prophecy, God's prophetic word with what's happening, not only in our physical dimension reality, but how the human race is now standing at the precipice of where the human race once stood when they Built that monstrosity before the eyes of God, the monstrosity being the Tower of Babel or Abel, which was a manifestation of the occultic scientific religion called Mystery Babylon. And the Tower of Babel was an interdimensional portal or stargate, which Nimrod, the founder and the creator of the Tower of Babel, created this interdimensional portal. So that when the people of ancient Babylon participated in occult rituals, which included at the highest levels human sacrifice, animal sacrifice, Satanism, and other very dark things, God was so offended by, by what he had heard about what was going on in ancient Babylon, the Tower of Babel, that God himself came down to check it out, to investigate it. Now, God already knew what was happening. But God wanted to, I guess, verify the facts to demonstrate before mankind his justice. So when God went to ancient Babylon and the Tower of Babel to check it out, he saw this mighty civilization rising up. And it was rising up because of its science, its technology, its creation of a new world order consisting of a one world government a one-world religion and a one-world economic system, a dark occult religion known as Mystery Babylon. And this was a, a one of a whole series of super civilizations. So when we study the Old Testament, we see that what enabled the people of ancient Babylon to build this futuristic and, and what they thought would be heaven on earth and I'd like you please to remember that phrase that they promised the people they were going to create heaven on earth, or utopia on earth, or paradise on earth, kind of like a recreation of the Garden of Eden with Adam and Eve, or a heaven on earth, as depicted in the book of Revelation and other places, which will be eternal paradise where all of God's elect to those people that have been chosen by God before the foundation of the world to be his, because they were destined to put their faith in Jesus Christ, to have their sins forgiven by the blood of Jesus, and they, with an act of their will, they invited Jesus Christ to come into their lives personally and become born again. Therefore, they became eternal beings, and their name, all of their names, are written in the book of life. Now, God goes down to ancient Babylon. He observes this principle in action, which I've talked to you a great deal about, and I've taught at length in my books because it's so imperative. It's so important. It's such a key component of everything that I've been teaching for, you know, 40 years plus on various media, and that's this. There is a principle that God established on a societal level, national level, and a global level. This principle is the principle of what happens when man functions as—when I say man, I mean mankind, men and women—function as one entity. In other words, they unify. They become one to accomplish a specific goal or a purpose. And God noticed that the people of ancient Babylon, despite their extraordinary wickedness that they that they had unified so god said to the angels and he said for our sake that's why it's recorded in the in the book of genesis god said now the people of babylon have become one and nothing that they intend to do or nothing that they purpose to do will be withheld from them which means god understood that whenever mankind or an individual functions in unity either with himself or a group of people or in this case the the nation of babylon when they function as one then this releases an enormous amount of psychological spiritual materialistic scientific and knowledge based resources it like opens up massive amounts of data and knowledge and knowledge is power so their goal which was put in their hearts by Lucifer or Satan, their goal was to create a synthetic heaven on earth, a virtual or artificial heaven on earth, because Satan is jealous of God and he wants to be God. So the first thing that the biblical God keys in on is the fact that the people are functioning as one, and he he tells us that uh, because they're functioning as one, Nothing that they intend to do, nothing that they plan to do, nothing that they purpose to do will be impossible. Any goal that they have, they will be able to achieve because they're in synchronization with one of the primary principles of productivity in the universe that God created and embedded in the fabric of the universe, which is the principle of unity or oneness. And so the danger, though, is you now have fallen human beings. And by the way, every one of us were born into this world with a fallen human nature. That means no matter how sweet and sugary nice we may be publicly, that means that no matter how good or virtuous or spiritual or holy we may be to others or to ourselves or to society, no matter how spiritual and pious we may appear, every single one of us, without exception, without exception, has a fallen nature, which inside that fallen nature, and this is a rude wake-up call because this is not taught in Christian churches, and this is strong biblical teaching and strong biblical truth. So the bottom line is, we all have a fallen human nature, and as such, we are fully capable of committing any sin, no matter how horrific all of us Have the capacity to commit any sin uh, that has ever occurred in the history of mankind in the world. We all have that propensity. We all have this deep inner, let's say, gravitational pull towards sin, lying, deceit, disobeying the Word of God, whatever it is. And no one, no one is born virtuous. No one, according to the Word of God, is born holy or good. Or, or godly, no one. We all are, in a sense, and to various degrees, depraved. We're all fallen. So, when the Christian Church ignores that fundamental truth, it does its um, it, it harms church members because church members have this deceptive and unrealistic perception about themselves that somehow. They're good and holy and virtuous, kind of like by choice or willpower or all by themselves. And God is saying, "All this is the tough stuff that is not being taught in the churches of America. And you cannot have revival. You can't have uh, an authentic biblical third great awakening. You can't have those things unless you teach the solid truth of God's Word. Because it's only after we expose our hearts and minds to the solid truth of God's Word that we can deal with the fundamental reality, which is this, and it is nothing less than this. Each of us, all of us, are born sinful. We're born with a fallen human nature. And we are all, every one of us, we are by birth at enmity, or we are in our very fallen nature in opposition in fact, you could even say in warfare against God. That's how corrupt we are in the depths of our spiritual nature. We are fallen human beings. And all this American pseudo-Christianity tries to sugarcoat it and cover it up and perpetually acts shocked when sinful men and women act according to who they really are, which is they are sinners that have fallen short of the glory of God. Everyone, every man or woman born, has a sin nature. And that sin nature, you can't claim to be more virtuous, more holy, more pure than somebody else just because you don't commit uh, whatever set or category of sins that you happen to find the most repugnant or the Christian community or church that you belong to happens to find the most repugnant. That's not the way it works. All sin essentially is repugnant to God. And and when you examine the scriptures strictly, you discover that one sin is not necessarily more sinful than another sin. Any sin you commit, any sin no matter how trivial, can keep you out of the kingdom of heaven. Now, yes, it's true that certain sins open the door for hurt, pain, destruction uh, horrific uh, outcomes for people's lives there's no question about that there are certain sins that you can commit that that really uh, destroy other people they destroy you so in that sense different sins have a different velocity of harmful impact if you will okay so we're all sinners with a fallen nature from God now God then wanted to and still wants to redeem mankind, and so he is exposing men and women to the truth and When he went down to ancient Babylon, he observed that the, in their hearts that the people of ancient Babylon in their hearts were not only born with a fallen human nature but they actually crossed over the line because they were liter literally, literally worshipping Lucifer or worshipping Satan in their hearts, and they were in the process of constructing a new world order, which consists of a one-world government, a one-world religion, and a one-world economic system, in which the people of that global system intend to worship Lucifer or Satan as God, and they worship and have all kinds of activities with the fallen angels. So God observes this, and he realizes that they have the capacity to create some kind of aberrant, sinful, uh, today we call it, and the globalist or satanic elite call it, the Great Reset. The Great Reset is merely the new world order with a a new brand name. And so God realized that he had to judge them, because what they were doing is they were going to build Satan's kingdom on earth, and they were going to facilitate the installation of Satan to sit on the throne room of God, wherever it's erected on Earth, and they were going to worship Satan. And remember, let's have, let's not be naive at all about this. Whenever the worship of Satan occurs in any human society or super civilization or su- civilization, whenever you look at the the entire Bible or accurate historical records, whenever you read about the depictions, for example, of the Canaanites worshiping. Male forms of uh, Satan uh, as idols, so you you have Baal worshippers. Well, Baal is the worship of Satan. A Baal statue is a statue of Satan. You have uh, uh, other pagan gods uh, that that represent Satan, male gods, and they're usually constructed as uh, figures. So for example, down on Wall Street, the financial capital of the world. In Manhattan, you'll see this. This uh, I think it's a solid bronze sculpture of this raging bull, representing financially a bull market. But it but it represents more than a bull market and a raging bull. It represents the bull is a depiction of bail. The bull is bail, and the premise is secretly is that if the financiers And the bankers worship Baal, who is Satan, represented by this bronze bull. You could go down there and see it and touch it. That is a form of worshiping Satan in order to get rich and money and power. Now, when you, if you were to visit the secret society meetings, uh, in outside of San Francisco, uh, you'll see a, a giant owl. That's being worshipped by presidents, vice presidents, uh, famous scientists, famous politicians, heads of state. They're they're meeting secretly at the Bohemian Grove, and they're worshipping this owl statue in what's called the Cremation of Care Ceremony. Now, I snuck into the Bohemian Grove uh, doing research uh, for my book a prophecy of the future of america volume 1 and 2 and i made sure to sneak in there when there was nobody there or i didn't see anybody there why because it's a secret society and the entire worshiping of moloch or molech the giant owl it's they're placing an effigy or a doll of a baby boy or a baby girl and then they're burning alive this this Doll of a boy or a girl, they're burning, uh, burning it alive, alive and sacrificing it in the hands of Molech, very evil and very wicked. Now they say, well, there's no harm to this because it's just a statue, it's just a, a mock ceremony. But why would any person, unless you were incredibly evil and wicked and pulled towards Satan, why would any person even participate in a mock ceremony? Uh, worshiping Satan or Molech by burning alive in effigy uh, statues of little children? Well, you, you already know the answer to that. Now, I've seen the pictures, and perhaps you have too, of people. One particular picture, I saw a number of people who were in attendance of this ceremony, and I saw Ronald Reagan, and I saw George Bush Sr., and the all the guys in the new world order crowd famous scientists famous heads of state people like henry kissinger who are the regular well reagan i'm not sure was a regular attendee of of the bohemian grove but he attended this particular bohemian grove meeting and it is alleged that at this meeting there is sacrifice real sacrifices secretly it's alleged that there are all kinds of sexual orgies of, of various kinds and drunkenness and and all kinds of hypersexual immorality, because participation in hypersexual immorality is part of the requirements for worshiping Baal or Molech, who represent Satan. Now, when you go back to the ancient Canaanite cultures, and these were the tribes, the pagan tribes that worshiped Baal and Molech, and they also worship, worshiped Ashtaroth, who was the female goddess statue? And the way you would worship Ashtaroth is you would uh, ask for financial blessings and answers to prayer, if you will, and then you would participate in uh, uh, occultic rites consisting of sexual orgies or visiting the, the, the temples that had temple prostitutes of both sexes. And so participating in various sexual orgies with the temple prostitutes has been a feature of the worship of Ashtaroth, the female version of Satan or Lucifer. And the Canaanites worshipped both the female and the male versions of Lucifer. So they worshipped Baal and Molech. And they burned their children alive. They would heat up the the metallic statue, for example, of Baal, until the outstretched hands of the Baal statue heated up. The outstretched hands were fiery red and they glowed. So the arms and the hands glowed with red hot light because they heated up the statue so to such a high degree in temperature. Then they would literally, with the participation of the, the occult priests of Baal, they would place their little boy or their little girl or their child or whatever, and they would burn their child alive on the altar of Baal, which was the red-hot pans of Baal, and they would ask Baal for, for blessing, for, for favor in crops, for victory over your enemies, for whatever they wanted. They would ask Baal for, and what Baal always required one way or another, was human animal sacrifice was like an introductory, but the real release of supernatural blessings, answers to prayer and favor, etc., the accumulation of wealth. This this only was released when you were willing to participate in human sacrifice human blood sacrifice, specifically the sacrifice of your own children. And then, in a sexual sense, if you were to worship the female goddess Ashtaroth, again, the female version of Baal, you would have to participate in occultic sexual immorality and and go into the occultic temples that were named after the various goddesses uh, throughout history, that appeared in different civilizations, and these goddesses represented not only Isis, uh, but they represented uh, ultimately uh, Astarte. So, so goddesses like Venus, Diana, uh, Isis, uh, the, the the female statue at the Statue of Liberty, the female goddesses. In fact, you can see. The female goddess holding like like an occult symbol of the Christ child as an aberrant occultic worship of the uh, the female and the the, the boy Jesus Christ, or whoever they decide to call it. So when you, you take all of that today, the foundation of occultic Freemasonry, the foundation of Rosicrucianism, the foundation of the Illuminati, and all the other occultic religions like Satanism, so on and so forth, they they ultimately, at the highest levels, they require human and child sacrifice. So when you hear all these stories and rumors and allegations of child sacrifice, child murder, child torture, along with the raping of little children, etc., etc., due to sex trafficking and other mechanisms, you have to be careful to be discerning. It could be a rumor. It could be a lie. It could be a mythology. But but this is the important part. It also could be true, because what we have seen throughout human history is when you begin to worship Satan at the highest levels, child sacrifice, sex with children, uh, those things are used in Satan-worshipping ceremonies to release Satanic supernatural power into the earth. Do you understand what I'm saying? It's very important to grasp this. Now, people deeply in the occult and Satanists and Baal worshippers they understand this. That's why even just a few years ago, when uh, they were dismantling uh, the temples of Baal somewhere, I forgot what nation it was in the Middle East, They were dismantling the temples of Baal. Now, you know for sure that one of the things that occurred at the temples of Baal, temple they were dismantling, was human sacrifice occurred in the temple of Baal and child sacrifice occurred in the temple of Baal. So these temples of Baal throughout the world represented a a portal into the invisible realm where you would summon demons and demonic power and supernatural power To child sacrifice and human sacrifice. So the question has to be asked, why would the elite in America bring large segments of the Temple of Baal to Manhattan, New York City, and then reconstruct large segments of the Temple of Baal on the grounds of Manhattan, specifically on the grounds of the mayor's office? So literally, on the grounds of the mayor's office in New York City is a partially reconstructed Temple of Baal using the original child and human sacrifice uh, pieces of wood and ceramic or whatever to reconstruct this Temple of Baal. Why would you reconstruct a temple which was built solely for the purpose of Baal and the, the purpose of worshiping Baal is always to conduct human sacrifice and child sacrifice to release satanic supernatural power over a particular location or nation. And so they reconstructed parts of the Temple of Baal in France. They reconstructed parts of this Temple of Baal in Great Britain, in Manhattan, New York City, and other places. So at the very top of the global pyramid of power in the world, There are people who are part of this Luciferian elite who are Satan worshipers, and as part of their worship of Satan, they conduct child and adult sacrifice. So, without jumping to a premature conclusion, and I talk about this in depth and documentation in my books, like The Greatest Battle, A Prophecy of the Future of America, Volume 1 and 2, Power from On High, The Day the Dollar Died. Uh, and others of my books, which you can get at a discount right now at um When you begin to see anything that releases mass death, whether it's nuclear warfare, biological warfare, pandemics, whether it's chemical warfare, uh, whether it's an artificially ignited uh nuclear bomb that triggers a tsunami, whether you're using weather modification technology to create artificial droughts and dry up the crops. You, you can look at this in a number of ways because it's a multi-dimensional situation. So on one hand, you have powerful men and women that are trillionaires who want to radically reduce the, the world's global population by any means necessary. And so they're willing to kill off hundreds of millions of people through draconian measures. Then, on the other hand, many of them, or some of them, are Satan worshipers. And so whenever you see the institutionalization of mass death, whether it's warfare, whether it's World War I, World War II, or, or World War III, whether it's millions and millions of, of babies aborted, whether it's a pandemic, whether it's a vaccination, I heard. I don't know if it's true or not. So I'm, I'm saying that with a disclaimer. I'm telling you what I hear. I hear a lot of things, and if I don't know that it's true, I will I will tell you that um, rather than stating it as if it were a fact. But I obviously consider it of considerable importance, or I wouldn't be bringing it up. So The the globalist elite, the satanic elite that rule planet Earth right now, they are into euthanasia. Euthanasia is the killing off of anybody they consider, consider weak, the elderly, mentally ill, having disease or whatever, to eradicate them, to kill them off by the millions and millions. So, then on the other hand, when you have these institutionalized forms of what they call culling the herd, which is an agricultural farming principle that when you overpopulate a herd of cows or whatever, you threaten the extinction of the larger herd, and you could end up with no food if you allow your herd to just breed without any checks and balances. So culling the herd is when farmers or people who, who raise animals for food or whatever where they deliberately, through whatever means killing them with bows and arrows or guns or starvation or whatever, they, they artificially kill off substantial numbers of the herd for a long-term purpose. But when you apply that principle to mankind, you're committing an egregious sin before God, because number one is men and women are human beings. They are made in the image of God. Animals are animals. It doesn't mean we don't love animals. It doesn't mean we're not kind to animals. But animals and human beings are two different categories. And so when we have elite people in our society who are treating human beings, men and women, as if they were cattle, and, quote, calling the herd by horrific mechanisms like artificial pandemics and biological warfare weapons, etc., etc., this is evil before God. It's a great, great evil, and God could see all of this in the hearts of the people of uh, Tower of Babel, and it's 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 happening today, and it's accelerating. Two thousand fourteen, this year that we have entered in, is going to be one of the most challenging years in human history. There are so many different forces, economic, geopolitical, global, biological diseases, biological disease outbreaks, threats of World War III. Uh, uh, People, like I said the other day, I went to a couple of stores and people were not wearing masks in California for a long time. All of a sudden, everybody's wearing these blue masks once again. And you hear reports everywhere of people getting these strange pneumonias, these strange COVIDs, and all these strange diseases. You hear reports of people whose immune systems have been wrecked allegedly because they got the vaccine. And so, is this accidental? Use your own mind. Or is somebody calling the herd? Because I heard another report and they didn't divulge the name of the individual but this individual was one of the highest ranking medical doctors medical researchers and a super expert in the area of viruses genetics pandemics and vaccines etc one of the world's foremost experts and this person confided to a close friend That they knew before they released uh, the COVID vaccine, they knew before they released the COVID vaccine, they knew that there would be mass deaths, that millions and millions of people around the globe would die because of the vaccine, not only in the immediate future, but millions of deaths would continue to escalate. In, in the lives of people who got the vaccine for years and years to come. And this person said to their friend, who also was very, very high up in the medical-pharmaceutical complex, that they had to promise never to repeat what they had been told in terms of any names or any specifics. So no specifics uh, were given out besides the general outline, which I, the alleged general outline, which I just gave you. And this person who was very high up had to swear to total secrecy, as many other people have, allegedly, or they or they could come to a very sudden and premature end. I think you know what I am innuendoing that remark in other words they, they they could disappear or die they had to swear to secrecy but the people at the very top you see when you when you get to the very top and you, you know all this compartmentalized top secret information and if you know stuff like allegedly they knew beforehand that the vaccine was going to create mass deaths for years to come and that they released it anyway you you can't dare to tell anyone or you could die. Your children could die. Your husband or wife could die, et cetera, et cetera. And so, that's a frightening prospect. And now, here's the here's the, the dynamic that I've been trying to expose now for my entire life. And it, it, it well, I'm gonna I'm gonna repeat it again in in a, in a speed dial download for you. The nature of a specific truth that I've been grappling with my entire life and how it impacts everything in this world, it impacts absolutely everything. So you're listening to the Paul McGuire Report where truth is our objective because knowledge is power. If you don't have knowledge, you are powerless. You will become a slave. And Jesus Christ said, you shall know the truth and the truth shall set you free. But you have to know the truth. Just knowledge of propaganda, knowledge of social indoctrination, is not going to set you free. It's going to only program you to be a slave. The average American has been, and the average person in the world has been programmed to be a slave from birth. They can only think and reason and use their intellects to a very limited extent, and they have been programmed in such a way that they have been synthetically dumbed down. Through not only educational techniques, psychological techniques, psychiatric techniques, drugs, bad nutrition, medicine that dumbs you down, the use of, of uh, uh, non-audible to the human ear, electromagnetic frequencies, frequencies that can turn off your brain, uh, frequencies that can activate your brain. Hey, baby, we live in a, bra- a brave new world like Aldous Huxley said in his book, Brave New World, which was all about the rulership of a counterfeit utopia by a scientific dictatorship that used scientific mind control as their primary mechanism to enslave the masses. And it was his brother, Julian Huxley, who became the head of the United Nations UNESCO Department. Julian Huxley was the founder of not only UNESCO, he was the founder of Common Core, Which is a dumbing down mechanism for the educational system. And Julian Huxley was also the father of secular humanism. And Julian Huxley was also the father of transhumanism. And these were all members, the Huxleys and all their fellow travelers were members of the scientific elite of the world. And they were the master planners behind this new world order. And everything you see unfolding now. Came from an elite group of intellectuals, some of the wealthiest people in the world, people who genetically came from the Illuminati bloodline families going back thousands of years, and the people who secretly own and control trillions and trillions and trillions of dollars of wealth. When you read the fake wealth numbers, like published in Forbes magazine, you know, the world's greatest billionaires, that's a bunch of baloney. The super rich, the super wealthy, possess so much wealth because it's multi generational wealth that's been passed down for centuries. And when you are the inheritor secretly of multi generational wealth that has been passed down for centuries—not to centuries—it's been passed down for thousands of years. It goes back to the time of Solomon's Temple, of King David. It goes back to the time of the. uh, The Pharaoh God King system in ancient Egypt. It goes back to the gold uh, uh, hidden away by the Incan and Mayan empires. It goes back to the great and and, and wealthy uh, Chinese empires. It goes back to the ancient Buddhist Tibetan empires, and on and on and on. And then it was passed on in Europe through the European God God Kings, such as the Venetians, who who controlled and were part of the Black nobility, an occult political force. Uh, And then, you know, the King and Queen of England, and, and the fact that Sir John Dee and Sir Francis Bacon, two of the world's most famous scientists, but also hardcore occultists who learned the Enochian angelic language and learned how to communicate and speak to and understand the vocabulary of the Enochian angels, who were the angels depicted in the extra book of the Bible known as the Book of Enoch. And the Enochian angels were the 200 fallen angels that descended upon Mount Hermon, mated with human women, and gave to mankind high-level science, technology, um, and all kinds of things. And then, they interbreeded with human women, created a, creating a hybrid race of part human DNA mixed with part fallen angel DNA. And it's from this hybrid mixture of part human DNA mixed with part fallen angel DNA. This is the, the DNA, this is the genetic lineage of what is referred to as the Illuminati bloodline families. They were the first families on earth, the first beings on earth that were not purely human. They were part human genetically, and they were part fallen angel genetically. And because they were part fallen angel genetically, they possessed these strange powers. They, they physically and genetically were giants. They were referred to as the giants of old. In fact, the entire land of Canaan was packed with the giants of old. And Joshua and Caleb were instructed by God to go into the land of Canaan, invade all these Canaanite tribes that were filled with the Rephim and the Nephilim, the giants of old, and do battle with them and, and reclaim the promised land. Because Canaan was originally given to the children of God, the Jews, as an everlasting covenant promise, and the land was Israel but when the pagan nations took it over the Canaanites they worshiped Satan and they they mated with fallen angels and they were like these giant beings like like the, the giant that King David fought Goliath he was a rephaim or a nephilim his brother was a rephaim or nephilim they were genetic giants because they had they they were the product of interbreeding between human women and fallen angels you see, and they also, we don't quite understand all of this, but a lot of the historical renderings of the super civilizations like Atlantis, like Hyperborea under uh, the ice of Antarctica and the super civilization under the ice of the North Pole and super civilizations like Atlantis and and uh, the island of Thule. and and things of that nature, Uh, the entire story and uh, historical account of Atlantis, recorded by the Greek philosopher Plato, what it is, is is Atlantis, if it did exist, Plato believed that it existed. I'm inclined that Atlantis existed to one degree or another. But I can't prove it, so I, I just put that on the shelf. But Atlantis was a super civilization that possessed advanced technology, and Atlantis was ruled by twelve philosopher kings or god kings, who allegedly were a hybrid mixture of fallen angel DNA that, where they mated with human female DNA, and the, the human females gave birth to these philosopher kings or god kings. Twelve of them who ruled Atlantis with advanced science, advanced technology, advanced architecture, and uh, a very advanced civilization. Now, the philosopher Plato believed that legendary Atlantis really did exist. And the elite, even today, around the world, the Illuminati, the Rosicrucians, the World Economic Forum, and on and on and on, they're still using... Plato's Atlantis as a blueprint or a template for global government and for a hierarchical government where you have superior genetic beings, or beings that are genetically a hybrid race mixture between the DNA of fallen angels mixed with the DNA of human women. And they become these advanced rulers of of Atlantis, and they They give Atlantis and other super civilizations like the Pharaoh God King system in Egypt, the uh, Tower of Babel, and so on and so forth. They give them very advanced technology and sciences. That's why, that's the only explanation for the technology they possess. I've read, and I talk about this in my book, um, Power from On High. I've read. the the translations into English from Sanskrit of the ancient Vedic texts and the ancient texts of uh, what they would call advanced uh, super civilizations uh, that were products of ancient Hinduism. And in my book, Power from on High, which you really need to read, because You will understand what's happening in America and the world. You'll understand that in a flash when you read my book, Power from On High, because I decode for you in a simple, easy read. I decode for you the secret and ancient mysteries of not only supernatural power and technology and science, but how these things formed the numerous super civilizations that go back in human history thousands and thousands of years. Okay, you're listening to the Paul McGuire Report on Paul McGuire. Take advantage of the big, big discounts. Save money. Get yourself a, a, a bulk discount on my books at PaulMaguire.us, That's paulmcguire.us. Invest your money among many things. But remember, books are going to increase in value, especially books that contain massive amounts of truth. Like mine do. Why? Because censorship is coming. Orwellian, George Orwell, Brave New World, Ray Bradbury, Fahrenheit 451 censorship is coming when the day is coming where they're going to digitally wipe out all your computer files from remote external locations. They're going to erase all books, all reports, all articles that contain the truth. Now, books that you have hidden. You'll be able to keep and pass on and read and benefit from, because well, guess what? You already know this. Books don't generate an EMF signal. Books can't be located. Oh, it depends what kind of book. Let, let me let me clarify that. Some books very sneakily have embedded um, electronic material in them that that's microscopic and. They, some books can be read and tracked through GPS-type technology, 5G technology, because they're always generating a signal. Some, many books. So if you're buying books from the giant retailers, you know the names of the giant retailers. Those books, they know what you're reading because they, they can all be tracked with an electronic signal. Paradise Mountain Church International publishes my books. I don't allow my books to contain any electronic mechanism that can generate an electronic signal, that can generate a GPS signal. When my books are published, they're all paper or they're hardcover paper. There's no secret embedding of wireless technology in any of my books, and there never will be. So if the day comes, which it may well come if the Lord tarries, and they start to steal your Bibles and Christian uh, books that have the embedded material. And, you know, just like in Fahrenheit 451, the fire department of the future is collecting books and they're burning books in the middle of town square. Well, also, they can erase all your books that are not politically correct, because because the list of violations... I mean, watching the Golden Globes part of it last night was disgusting. I mean, every time I turn around, there's some new restriction on thought, freedom of speech, or whatever. So if you have books in your possession that are not totally politically correct, then they can confiscate them, give you a penalty, a fine, potentially arrest you, like they do in communist China. But all of my books, and I've written 46 books, all of the books that are published through Paradise Mountain Church International don't contain any kind of electronic tracking devices. And I know they will be of an enormous amount of help to people in the future. Did you know that one of the biggest numbers of of categories of people that are requesting my books uh, are prisoners who are in prison and people who live in either hard socialist nations or people... Uh, requesting my books that live in communist nations and socialist nations. Why? Because they're starving for the truth. So get my books and, you know, enjoy them and stuff. But when the day comes, and pass them around, mostly pass them around, or teach Bible studies from them. Uh, but remember, the day may come when you're going to have to hide it. But the good thing is, unlike many things that you own and possess, that are part of what, that are called IoT, the Internet of Things, which simply means your refrigerator, your washing machine, your cell phone, everything you own has an electronic chip in it and a tracking device. Okay? That's just the reality. Even the tag on your shirts that you buy at places like Walmart and stuff. When you walk in and out of a Walmart, you're, you're the label on the back of your shirts or underwear or whatever or running shoes, they're they sending out an electronic signal. My books don't send out an electronic signal by intention, by design, by foresight. You can hide them, and they're not trackable through electronic sifting and searching. Okay, so visit paulmcguire.us. We're in a war for the hearts and minds of mankind. That's the title of my book, The Greatest Battle for the Hearts and Minds of Mankind in the History of the World. In order to fight this war, in order to continue to communicate the truth, in order to defeat rigging, in order to defeat censorship. By the way, every day now that I go on the internet and try to do research, I see more and more massive categories of information, massive numbers of groups, authors, think tanks, etc., that that they've erased off the internet. So the internet if you don't realize it, it's very quickly locking down as it becomes—it's it's like any truth is being erased. And the day will come, when the only thing that's left is this TikTok nonsense and all the rest of that garbage. So I need you to stand with me. You know, 2014, this is it. This is the, probably the final battle line for the future of America. And truth is the only weapon we have that will allow us to win. That and prayer and the Word of God. So I need you to stand with me and make a donation or contribution and get radical about it because they're going to get radical with you. Some of your friends are in for a a radical wake-up call this year due to legislation that has secretly been passed that I can't go into at this exact moment. So visit paulmaguire.us. You can donate. You can make a contribution totally secure electronically. We don't keep lists of anything for anybody, okay? Totally secure. You can make a donation at Paulmaguire.us. and all I ask is that you radically obey the the Lord. So whatever God tells you to do, do it. I have lived my life this way for decades. Now, to be honest, in, in the beginning years, it took me a while because, quite honestly, I didn't have enough faith Going back years ago, when I was just you know a new Christian and stuff, I didn't have enough faith to radically trust God. It was a frightening thing to me, and it probably is a frightening thing to some of you. But I learned a principle that when you dedicate your life to God, when you commit your life to God, which I did, and you attempt to do what God says—no, you're not perfect—but you endeavor to do what God says. In all the areas of your life. What you're doing, when you when you posture your heart in that manner, what you're doing is you're positioning yourself to receive favor from God. And favor from God creates favor financially, favor in terms of supernatural protection, favor in every dimension of your life. It doesn't mean everything's gonna be happy days are here again. It doesn't mean every single day is going to be, you know, an ecstatic symphony of joy. I'm not saying that. We live in a fallen world and sometimes it's a struggle. but what I'm telling you is when you give your life over to God, and you become God's man or God's woman. First of all, if you think that's boring or restrictive, you're crazy. I have never had more fun, I've never had more action, I've never experienced the heights, the thrill, the, the adventure. these are the things I don't know if that's important to you maybe maybe it isn't. I needed venture in my life. And it only, all those doors opened up because of the favor of God. So when I began to radically give my life over to God, so now I can tell you, no, I'm not a perfect Christian. I'm not a perfect guy. I have faults just like you do. I mean, I lost my temper the other day. I could justify it. I pulled out my back or something, moving heavy boxes during the holidays. Or it could have been, I was moving this heavy equipment. I don't know what what it was. All I know is because I know people who have pulled their sciatic nerve. And that is like, so anyway, I pulled my sciatic nerve in my back, which causes your muscles. It's like agonizing pain. It's like being stabbed with a large kitchen knife, and it doesn't let up. And um, what happens when you're in pain like that, no matter how spiritual you are, you start to behave like a monster. Yes, I behave like a monster saying things I deeply regret. I had to apologize to several people I interacted with. I, I started the conversation with one by saying I profusely apologize for my behavior. I had to get it out on the table because I acted like a psychopath. But this person understood, and it didn't, that doesn't justify my behavior, but this person understood that when you're in severe ultra pain, which, which happens when you pull a sciatic nerve, it, and, and I don't know how long it's going to last. But when you're in severe ultra pain, you, like, snap somewhat. Because, because the pain is, is more, it's like blowing the circuit breakers in your biological system. So I said stuff I shouldn't have said, acted like a complete idiot, was ashamed of myself, was embarrassed, and beating myself up. All things I know I shouldn't do. But you, you, we all do that, Right. So in any case, the point is, God doesn't take his hand off my life because I make a mistake or I fail. No. You ask God for forgiveness. You try to make it right. You appropriate the blood of Jesus, which cleanses you of all sin, past, present, and future. You remember Revelation 12, where where Satan goes into the throne room of God. And one of his strategies in waging war against you and me and every true Christian is he accuses us with lies or even maybe truths or accusation accusations. Satan accuses us before the Father in the throne of God. He accuses us day and night, and he points out our failures, our sins, our shortcomings, and everything else. Now, most Christians, because they don't know the word, they allow themselves to be pounded into oblivion by the accusations of the devil. Well, the Lord set me free. It's sometimes still a battle. I don't want to be gloved about this. But the Lord set me free by giving me a revelation of this truth, which is we as believers, right after it says, and Satan accused them, believers, before the throne room of God day and night. But we defeat him or we overcome him by the by the blood of the Lamb and the word of our testimony. So Satan can try to point out our failures, our sins, our mistakes, our inconsistencies, our hypocrisy, and what he tries to do is take us out of the battle, take us out of the game, by downloading like overwhelming accusation upon us, which may be total lies, it may be exaggerations, or guess what? It could be partially true or even 100% true. But God has given us a secret spiritual weapon whereby we can defeat him. And that weapon is, we, we ask God for forgiveness for what we've done. We plead the blood of Jesus over what we've done and ask to be cleansed by the blood of Jesus. We then proclaim the fact that we've been cleansed by the blood of Jesus. And by stating the truth of God's word, we then become overcomers by the word of our testimony, which is this, we are saved by grace, not of works, Lest any man or woman boast, and we overcame him, who's him, Satan, by the word of our testimony, we're saved by grace, not of, uh, we're saved by grace, not of works, lest any man or woman boast, and we overcame him, Satan by the by the uh, blood of the lamb and the word of our testimony, so he can't marginalize us, he can't wipe us out. we can continue to look in the mirror and and be, be proud in a holy way that we're righteous because not because we Completed a checklist of do's and don'ts accurately, but because of faith. We put our faith in Jesus, and the blood of Jesus cleanses us of all sin. Therefore, his flaming missiles, his flaming arrows, which he's shooting at us all the time, we pick up the shield of faith and we don't allow him to bring us down. We don't allow him to bring us down under the undertow, like in the ocean. We don't allow him to give us a knockout punch. Now, this is the thrilling part, and I want to share it with you. Many of you already know it. You are 1,000%, 1, a million percent righteous and holy and pure and cleansed by the blood of Jesus simply if you ask God for forgiveness, receive his forgiveness and the cleansing of the blood of Jesus by faith, and that you're genuinely born again because you've asked Jesus to come in your heart and make you a brand new creature in Christ Jesus. You are saved and cleansed by the blood. That allows you like a prize fighter in the ring, to give the devil, the demons, a knockout punch. And you can, you can just hit him so hard that you send him back into the lake of fire along with his demons. Okay. And so we do that in practical life. We don't. One of the devil's favorite tricks is to use Christians, to speak through Christians to accuse us, to use people close to us to accuse us, to use our own inner voice and conscience to accuse us but we can overcome all of that by the word of our testimony and the blood of the lamb. And that way we walk around with victory. We don't walk around condemned, beating ourselves up, feeling defeated. We are victorious. We are victorious. And when you get a taste of what it means to walk in victory, it's it's like it's like great. It's like awesome. It's like riding the crest of an endless golden wave. I'm not a surfer, I wish I was. I grew up in New York City. So while you guys were surfing, I was taking the subway. Sorry, folks. But in my fantasy life, in my fantasy world, I've always wanted to be surf and surf that perfect wave with the sun hitting it and the sparkling golden wave. And you just surf in the curl of a wave for like seemingly forever. Except in my fantasy world of cosmic surfing, I'm not just surfing an earthly Wave from the ocean and the sea. I'm, I'm I'm surfing the wave of God's power and glory through creation and through eternity and through the universe. And it's it's a it's, it's a ticket to ride that Jesus paid for, and you ought to you ought to enjoy it because it's free. All right, this is Paul McGuire. Visit paulmcguire.us. That's paulmcguire.us. We'll be back in just a moment. You're listening to the Paul McGuire Report. i Paul McGuire. Okay, I talked to you the other day. About uh, two people that I've known for many years, <clears throat> John Whitehead, uh, founder of the Rutherford Institute, prominent constitutional lawyer, and has handled some massive cases brilliant man, uh, his wife, um, a brilliant woman, uh, and she also runs the Rutherford Institute. They have won these massive major cases with well some of the biggest Political figures in the nation. And uh, he writes regular columns. He gets it. I mean, he really gets it. So, anyway, I was reading to you part of his article from the rutherford.org website Apocalypse Now, the government's use of controlled chaos to maintain power. And the whole idea behind the article was his documented research about how governments, the American government, other governments around the world, Deliberately use controlled chaos to consolidate and to continue and to maintain their power. It's a it's a strategy, and it's a strategy, especially that totalitarian uh, governments use. Now, Whitehead points out that 2024—that's this year—is the year that the deep states exercise. Listen carefully: the deep states exercise in controlled chaos finally gives way to an ap- apocalyptic dismantling of our constitutional republic or what's left of it. Okay, look, he is warning, and he, he is connected to some of the most powerful people in our nation. Many others in the know, many other experts, they're all saying the same thing. America, the, the system of America as we once knew it, a free society, freedom of speech, freedom of the press, and all the rest of the freedoms that we had have been under siege. And 2014 is the critical year where there are many things that have not been disclosed yet. One is the the sneaking through, the passing of legislation, which will give unprecedented powers to take away all of your assets, your money, your retirement, your house, everything, your job, if... uh, the brave new world regime decides that they don't like the fact that you're speaking the truth. I mean, this is very serious. It's never been more serious than it is now. And so if we continue marching on, as most of our normie friends do, marching on to oblivion, we are going to find ourselves right smack in the middle of an irreversible totalitarian government, where not only are you under constant electronic surveillance, but every microscopic part of your life is under surveillance, and you're always being given, just like in communist China, uh, uh, an up-and-down numerical score where you're punished or rewarded based on whether or not you follow the dictates of this uh, neo-communist Great Reset that's emerging. Now, Whitehead says, for years now, the government has been pushing us to the brink of a national nervous breakdown. This breakdown, triggered by polarizing circus politics, media-fed mass hysteria, militarization and militainment, the selling of war and violence as entertainment, a sense of hopelessness and powerlessness in the face of growing corruption, the government's alienation from its populace, and an economy that has much of the population struggling to get by, has manifested itself in this polarized, manipulated mayhem, madness, and tyranny that is life in the American police state today. Wow. I warned about it 20 years ago. I don't know the exact date on it. But I put out, I published a three-DVD video called American Dictatorship, where through video and talking and research, I spelled out in blatant detail, what was happening and what was coming. And I said it in my books, like Are You Ready? and The Day the Dollar Died, and the other books like A Prophecy of the Future of America, Volume 1 and 2. Whitehead writes, what is playing out before us is a chilling lesson in social engineering that keeps the populace fixated on circus politics and conveniently timed spectacles, distracted from focusing too closely on the government's power grabs, and incapable of standing united in defense of our freedoms. Then Whitehead writes, it's not conspiratorial. It's a power play. Rod Serling, the creator of the Twilight Zone, understood the dynamics behind this power play. In Twi- in, in the Twilight Zone episode, quote, "The Monsters Are Due on Maple Street," Serling imagined a world in which the powers that be carry out social experimentation to see how long it would take before the members of a small American neighborhood, frightened by a sudden loss of electric power and caught up in the fears of the unknown, will transform into an irrational mob and turn on each other. It doesn't take long at all. Well, he's right. I have heard, and I have not been able to substantiate this, so it's just an allegation, but I have heard that in the Netflix movie produced by the Obamas called uh, Leave the World Behind, it is alleged that there was some deliberately embedded silent sound audio tracks so that when you watch the movie Leave the World Behind, and if you were somebody who got vaccinated, it is alleged um, that the silent soundtracks, the silent electromagnetic frequencies embedded in the, the, the movie um programmed millions of people in a specific way that I can't fully outline or discuss, because all I know is the allegations which say that the people who had expertise in this area went into the lab and listened through electronic instruments to the soundtrack, and they found, they alleged, the existence of silent soundtracks embedded in the movie that represented very high-level EMF frequency weaponization, where you use silent sound as a weapon. You can program the subconscious mind to do all kinds of things. Now, just on a theoretical basis, I've been writing uh, about this to you for years and warning you. I've explained this technology in detail in my books, like A Prophecy of the Future of, of America, Volume 1 and 2, The Greatest Battle, power from on high, I explain this technology in detail. Silent sound technology. So it, it, it's not a stretch. When you go, I have, I, I can't tell you how many times I've walked into a major retailer. And I noticed that, let's say, for example, I have a major retailer. Many of them, I walk in, I notice that the, all the employees seem to act sedated. And that they're in a state of low-level cognitive dissonance, which is like disconnected from reality. And and I'm saying to myself, okay, they all could be using, they all could be on medication, that's possible. Yeah, it's possible. But I, I don't think that was it. Because what I sensed, because I've trained myself, even though I can't hear all of these frequencies because they're in the realm of silent sound, below what the human ear can hear, I've trained myself to recognize the minor variations that exist in my biological bodily state and my psychological bodily state. So that even though I can't hear silent sound, I can sense its presence in my biological being and my psychological being. And you say, well, that's weird. I don't give a hoot if you think it's weird. People have been telling me what I've been saying is weird for my entire life. And guess what? I've been right almost all the time. It's like hitting the bullseye constantly because I do my homework. You, you don't think that the big retailers, billion-dollar companies that sell and have all kinds of relationships with communist China, and they use all this weird technology, you don't think that they aren't using this technology uh, in your episodic TV shows, in your movies of all kinds, in the environments of uh, the big retailers. They want you to buy. They want you to be relaxed. So why wouldn't they secretly play silent sound that contains, that pumps out specific frequencies that makes you suggestible, that makes you relax, that makes you want to buy? It? If they have the technology, you don't think they'd use it? Of course they'd use it. Why do you think they're rushing like mad to exploit all the what they believe is the potential of 5G. Remember, 5G was originally, as I say in my books, as I document in my books, available to you at paulmaguire.us. 5G was invented originally for the purpose of a weapon. So 5G was invented from the get-go as a weapon. It's a, it's a weaponization of, an electro, of a spectrum of electromagnetic frequencies. You've got to understand this. Whitehead gets it he gets it really, really clear. But we have to spread the word and wake people up. Why do you think think it's so tough to crack through the ice and teach the Bible and win people to Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior, and to actually ignite the fires of revival? Why is there always some kind of hidden resistance in the atmosphere? I'll tell you what the problem is. In the atmosphere, people are being bombarded with EMF waves, which I believe shut down the human nervous system, shut down the neurological pathways that normally would be open and hungry for the presence of God. But when people are being bathed and saturated with 5G waves that neurologically shut them down from God, then you're blocking revival. And you don't think a totalitarian regime threatened by true biblical Christianity would not fully use Weaponized 5G technology. They have a thing that they openly talked about called the God gene. And they hope to genetically modify everybody's DNA in America and the world. They want to genetically modify them, genetically modify their DNA so that they are biologically resistant to the existence of God. Now, think about this. Why would they openly talk about genetic modification that creates DNA inside of people? that makes them resistant to God, thinking about God, and resistant to the presence of God. Because they're using technology as a weapon to fight against God. And this is expounded upon in the book of Revelation. All right, I'm going to explode this for you more in just a moment. You're listening to the Paul McGuire Report. Be sure to visit PaulMaguire.us. We'll be back in a second. Again, this is Paul McGuire. The only way we're going to be victorious in this, what is essentially spiritual warfare, is we have to educate ourselves as to the reality and existence of the full spectrum of spiritual warfare, not just little pieces of the pie. We have to understand, we have to become sophisticated, we have to become educated, we have to become scientifically and psychologically informed, at least at minimal levels, so that we can engage a very real enemy who has expressed their desire to destroy a Judeo-Christian America, because a Judeo-Christian America is a, is the last reminder to the world in the form of things like an American dream and freedom of speech and freedom of a religion and freedom of the press. These are all things that were the reflections, the mirror of biblical truth Uh, released by the pilgrims and Puritans in the 1600s, biblical truth released by the pilgrims and Puritans in the formation of America and the uh, uh, American Revolution of 1776, which as I write about in my book, The Greatest Battle for the Hearts and Minds of Mankind in the History of the World, as I write about in that book, the French Revolution was the set mankind on the opposite path. The French Revolution was rooted and grounded not in the Bible, but militant secular humanism. And not only just militant secular humanism, the worship of science, the worship of man as God, were all aspects of the French Revolution. You You just hear in the American educational system the propaganda about how lofty and idealistic the French Revolution was. There's some big play and movie, I forgot what it was called. I saw the movie, I saw the play on Broadway. And I forgot the name of the movie, and I, I apologize. But it all is about the French Revolution. And they're singing in the streets. And, and one of the stars of it, I think he played Wolverine in, in the X-Men uh, movies. And he was one of the main characters of this movie, which glowingly uh, depicts the French Revolution through the lens of a, ver- a very idealistic view that the people will come together, the people will march in the streets. And and we'll have heaven and on earth. We'll have equal everything. We'll we'll share the wealth. There'll be no super rich. There'll be no poor. And all of that, my friends, all of that, is a series of lies. The French Revolution, in reality, produced a bloodbath. I stood on the very grounds um, when researching my book, "The Greatest Battle for the Hearts and Minds of Mankind in the History of the World," and "Power from on High," which you need to get because I go into greater detail than I am now at paulmcguire.us. I stood, because I've studied uh, symbols and history for so many decades, I could see things that my Christian French guide, although he could take me around, he was a member of the church. I spoke to 25,000 people in Paris, France. Power of God hit the people, and the truth of God from his word hit the people. And he did a great job of giving me a tour of the physical locations of these great historical monuments, etc. But he had no clue as to what the symbolism and the statues and, and, and the buildings and the structures, all of those things were communicating loud and clear a message of revolutionary secular humanism. He didn't understand it, so I explained it to him. So I stood on the exact ground, and on the exact ground where there was a very long row of guillotines, you know, the, 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 the simple machines with the ra- the giant razor blades were, were, during the French Revolution and other revolutions, they would put the heads of critics of the Revolution, they would put specifically the heads of the pastors and the clergymen, they would put the heads of the Christians and the Christian leaders, they would put their heads in, in the guillotine, and then the guillotine would drop this giant razor blade on their neck and chopped their head off, and the blood would spurt. I want to be graphic because I want to give you an accurate picture, not a romantic picture of what really happened. See, the French Revolution didn't liberate anyone. It enslaved them through humanism. So the French Christians were beheaded. Hundreds, if not thousands, of Christian leaders and ministers and pastors were beheaded in the guillotines in Paris, France, under the guidance, under the stirring up of the famous and lofty French philosophers like Jean-Jacques Rousseau and others that that are that are practically worshipped in our universities, but you see, in reality, the French Revolution was animalistic because it was based on the dog-eat-dog philosophy of raw secular humanism, and so they had women riding horses naked in the uh, topless in the streets of Paris, and they were you know like worshipped as the goddess and goddesses of reason. So topless women exposing their breasts to the, to the crowds uh, were called the goddesses of reason in the middle of the French Revolution. And then because the revolutionaries hated Christians, so they hid this from the, from the masses. They hid this from the public. They hid this from the pastors. The pastors were sedated by false promises of, of fraternity, brotherhood, and liberty, and all the rest of that stuff. But they were all, those were all lies. Instead, the pastors had their heads chopped off by the thousands, and their bloody heads rolled into these baskets and I stood oh and, and then they would have or the revolutionaries would have sexual full-on sexual orgies in the uh in the churches in paris in the in the sanctuaries there would be hundreds of people naked doing God knows what with each other in full-blown sexual orgies that that were designed to spit in the face of God, to spit in the face of Christianity, and designed to wage war with any vestige of Christianity. You see, listen, wake up. That's what they they lust for. That's what they secretly... Their lust is not sexual. How stupid and naive Christians are. I don't mean that as a put-down. I'm just saying, you better wake up, because it's going to happen to you if you don't wake up. I'm not talking about you, the listener of the Paul McGuire Report. I'm talking about our friends, the normies who are sound asleep. Their lust is not sexual. Their lust is violent. Their lust is a lust that's satanically infused. It's a lust that, in in more accurate terms, could be described as a, a total hatred of God, a total desire to destroy the biblical Christian God. That's their lust. It's not about sex. It's simply using sex as a means to break the commandments of God and to mock God. And that's what the French Revolution was all about. The French Revolution became historically the mother of all, the spiritual mother of the Marxist revolutions and the communist revolutions that soon came afterwards. So I stood there where the row after row of the guillotines were, and the, and the, and the heads of pastors and Christian leaders were beheaded at the guillotines. And as I surveyed where I was standing, and I recreated in my mind's eye how the guillotines lined up, the Lord showed me something. As I looked down the corridors of this historic intersection in Paris, I noticed that at the end of the corridor, in walking distance from where the guillotines were, there was a giant pillar monument with a giant pyramid structure mounted on this elevated monument, and in the center of this giant pyramid structure was the all-seeing eye of Lucifer. So what you have to understand, and I saw other symbols and other monuments and other pieces of architecture, et cetera, et cetera, that all suggested open Luciferian worship. And the Lord revealed to me through my study that I share with you in my books, like Power from on High, and The Greatest Battle for the Hearts and Minds of Mankind in the History of the World, what the Lord showed me was that the fuel, the rocket fuel of the French Revolution was the spirit of antichrist and it was a berserk hatred of Christian's God the Bible and anything to do with the biblical God and you could see the evidence of the fact that these men the philosophers and the revolutionaries not they didn't just reject Christianity they turned around 180 degrees and began to worship Satan and satanism and so you would see these monuments that all reflected their worship of Satan, the all-saying eye of Lucifer, the the, the giant pyramid shapes. That wasn't just a row of um, uh, pastors being beheaded. That wasn't just uh, the mechanical device that chopped people's heads off. Remember, whenever there's the worship of Satan, there is human sacrifice. There is child sacrifice. So the satanic energies that were unlocked that created the French Revolution, the satanic energies were released by the human sacrifice of chopping off the heads of thousands of Christian leaders and thousands of clergymen and thousands of pastors. They chopped off their heads on the guillotines with the blood squirting everywhere, and they captured their heads and put them in baskets. That was not just a mechanical, violent, revolutionary act. That was and is, my friends, an historical example of the fact that the French Revolution was satanically motivated and harnessed satanic powers, and the preparatory actions for the release of satanic energy in the streets of Paris was human sacrifice and the chopping off of the heads of thousands of Christians. Do you get it? Do you see it for what it really is? The same thing happened in communist China communist Russia, and every other nation that had French Revolution foundation humanism. Humanism is really an end run around Christianity and brings you into Satanism. It's the worship of the human self. So this dynamic is at work in America and the world now. The spirit of Antichrist, the pyramid, the Illuminati, the all-seeing eye of Lucifer, the same New World Order that they tried to build with Mystery Babylon and the Tower of Babel, that God came down and judged by dividing the people, dividing up their language, that same repeat is, is spilling into our time zone, which is just coincidentally the last days. And so as I stood there, I saw the Lord allowed me to see a constant stream of what looked like merely functional pieces of architecture, like like these giant, it looked like, you know, those, those. I forgot what you call them, but they're, when you go to an amusement park and there's, there's those giant circular rides and you sit in like a two-seat uh, seating position and you, you you go in the direction and the motion of these giant circular devices, which my brain just forgot what they were called. You know what I'm talking about in the amusement park. And the amusement park rides, you, you you go into these giant circle things that spin around, you sit in like a two seat position, and you may be you may end up at the very top or the very bottom, depending where they stop the Ferris wheel. That's the word I'm looking for. So these gigantic Ferris wheels in amusement parks. When you're driving down the streets of Paris, there's these Ferris wheels at the intersection of major streets, like the major street where the French guillotines and the, the beheadings were and the and the occult symbolism was. And then I noticed as we were in the car and I observed the giant Ferris wheel structures, we just happened to approach the intersection with the giant Ferris wheel structures at the exact time of day where the, the sun was, was somewhat setting. They call that magic hour in Hollywood because it, it adds a, a golden hue to the atmosphere, which, which really amplifies your cinematography when you're, you're shooting uh, a movie. So I noticed that the sun is hitting these giant Ferris wheels in the streets of Paris, and then I noticed that the the sun is not only represented by these giant circular Ferris wheel shapes, but the Ferris wheel shapes are cut into like small, long pie slices, where very ornate golden replicas of what is clearly supposed to represent the flames of the sun, the elongated flames of the sun are shooting up from the center of the ferris wheel, and you have uh, one after another, after another, after another, elongated, golden uh, sun rays. Now, then the Lord revealed to me, based on my research, what this really meant. The sun rays and the ferris wheels and where they were located— in, in proximity to the beheadings of the French Revolution, the Ferris wheel structures represented the worship of the sun, because the worship of the sun goes directly back to ancient Babylon in the Tower of Babel. Nimrod was killed by his wife, murdered by his wife, and she covered her crime before the, the populace of ancient Babylon by saying that uh, uh, Nimrod. Died and he resurrected uh, into the air to become the sun god. So Nimrod, the creator of ancient Babylon, according to his wife Isis, died and resurrected to become the sun god. And so that began the occultic satanic worship of the sun god. Nimrod was the first sun god, and along with that came the worship of the sun. So I'm watching the replay of this on the streets of Paris. I'm seeing these Ferris wheels, which are pictorially like suns, rotating, and it goes right back to Freemasonry, right back to the Illuminati, right back to Nimrod and Isis and the worship of the sun. In fact, the French king and the French monarch of those times, I think it was King Louis, he was also called, listen carefully, King Louis of France was also called the Sun God. The Sun God. Why? Because the French Revolution was interspersed with hardcore satanic occultism, and the worship of the sun, which also represents the worship of Satan, is the worship of the sun god. It's the worship of Nimrod in ancient Babylon. Now, that takes us to the present moment. The new world order is rising, the one world government, the one world religion, the one world economic system. They've rebranded it as the Great Reset. It is nothing more than an extension of um, the ancient New World Order and Mystery Babylon and the French Revolution. And it is designed to slaughter and kill and martyr all the Christians. That's being hidden from you right now. But I've read their agenda. I've read what their spiritual teachers, the occultists and the Satanists, are secretly calling for in their books and documents. They're calling for the mass annihilation, the mass slaughter of Christians, and the slaughter of millions of people in a global, planetary, giant sacrifice to Satan. Because a sacrifice to Satan and the worship of Satan is the worship of Baal. It's the worship of the sun god. It's the worship of uh, uh, the, the bohemian grove god, the, the, the owl. It's the worship of Ashtaroth, the, the female version of Baal. And so their end game is to create chaos. Chaos equals Satan. Never forget that Satanists use formulas and archetypes. Chaos equals Satan. Manufactured crisis is really manufactured chaos, or the new world order out of chaos, or crisis, or the worship of Satan. Their entire game plan is to create a satanic global planetary environment where they rule the world like uh, kings and queens under our new pharaoh-god king system. This is what happened in Atlantis. There was 12 philosopher kings, or 12... Uh, uh, God kings who were part human and part uh, uh, bloodline families and part fallen angel. But their activity they had science and advanced technology, according to Plato. But their, the way they treated people and what they did in ancient Atlantis was so evil that God destroyed them. And the ancient historical records read that God judged the world with a great flood. It must have been the flood of Noah. If, if if Atlantis really existed, the destruction of Atlantis was most likely caused by the flood of Noah. And so this is where we're going, and there are powerful spiritual weapons and powerful spiritual knowledge that God has given his people for usage in the last days that will supernaturally enable us to be triumphant if we will use them. And I encourage you to stand with me and spread this message as fast as we can. 2014, this is the year. This is the year that will determine the destiny and the future of America. Make no mistake about it. Visit paulmaguire.us. That's paulmaguire.us.